Good morning, this is Bryce Peterson, and you're listening to Actually You Can, episode 54, P-R-A-Y-E-R. So it's been a few weeks now, maybe even a couple of months, since I was in a meeting with the stake presidency, and the stake president proceeded to tell us that we needed to learn how to pray. He said, you need to learn how to pray. And he didn't expound much on it, but it has really got me thinking, and it just keeps coming back up in my mind. I mean, here we are. We're all adults. We're in our mid-40s to later, and we're being told, you need to learn how to pray. What could this mean? Why would we be told this? And it, it didn't it didn't bother me. I truly believe it. I need to learn how to pray. We all do. But I think what it implies for me is, okay, now it probably goes without saying that everyone in the room knew how to pray in terms of the mechanics of it, right? We all know the primary song and the, you open up your prayer, you say thank you, you ask for things that you need, and then you close your prayer in the name of Christ. I think what he was saying was maybe just maybe it's possible we haven't stepped very far outside of our primary definition of prayer. Could it be in our semi-advanced age, there are things about prayer that we do not know, and there are opportunities, incredible opportunities available to us if we can dig into this a little bit deeper and actually learn how to pray. A few weeks after this, Ward Council is queried on, hey, what about the fifth Sunday lesson? Anyone have any ideas? Of course, I had to open my big mouth because I couldn't stop thinking about what the stake president had told us. And I said, hey, what about this? He said we need to learn how to pray. And I'd be more than happy to give the lesson if you need somebody to do it. That just sort of slipped out. A few weeks later, I'm asked, hey, so what do you think about giving the fifth Sunday lesson then after all? And I was like, okay. I definitely asked for it, literally and figuratively. Yes, I will. But oh my, have I been fretting about this. This is far and away a much bigger concept than I realized at first glance and first thought. And that's probably why the stake president said what he said. I was looking at all the scriptures in the Book of Mormon that reference prayer, writing down notes about them, writing down my questions, and the more I look at this, really the more I look at the concept of prayer, this mosaic is being painted before my eyes, before my consciousness. The prayer is very much a posture. It's almost a, the process by which we could live. If our life was a prayer, if our life was prayer, if it was fueled by prayer. If we never ceased to pray as we are implored by the Savior himself, what would that look like? What does that mean to never cease to pray? So when I started approaching this topic, I just did a thought download, which I've talked about before. What are all the things that I could possibly spill out of my brain and onto this paper? So I wrote down some imagery and some questions, kneeling, speaking, directing our intention, tuning our hearts and minds to the will of God, living discussions 
as President Nelson talked about in his most recent conference talk. Our hearts are drawn out to God. We declare our feelings, our frustrations, our yearnings and desires. And what goes into prayer? What are synonyms for prayer? What makes praying effective? How would we know if our prayers were effective? Why should we pray? What is the anatomy of prayer? How long should we pray? What does it mean to never cease to pray? And what can we accomplish with prayer? How are miracles and prayer related? How are prayer and faith related? How is it related to repentance or baptism or receiving the Holy Ghost? What does prayer feel like? What does it look like? What does it sound like? Where does the power of prayer flow from? What can it fortify us against? How can it sanctify us? And what is its relationship to humility? Could prayer be a tool? Could it be a process? How are prayer and revelation related? How often should we do it? How did our Savior, Jesus Christ, integrate prayer into his own personal development? How does it help us overcome challenges? What attitudes and behaviors does prayer support? And what attitudes and behaviors prevent us from prayer? What are the opportunities available to us because of prayer? There must be a listener. We must nurture, develop, and discover our own sacred grove. The first vision changed the history of the world. It was brought about by prayer. How could the history of our families be enhanced by prayer? So these are some initial thoughts that I wrote down. This is my prayer thought download. Just trying to get the juices flowing, open up some opportunity for inspiration, for reflection. Just see where am I at in terms of my relationship to prayer. And then the phrase itself, I think, could use examining. The stake president's statement, you need to learn how to pray. What is a need? I looked up synonyms for need. Necessity, requirement, demand, prerequisite, condition, dependency. At the end of the day, we do not need to do anything. However, if we want to pursue a certain outcome, if we want to achieve a certain result, then there are things that we need to do. There truly are. I think another way to look at this phrase is sometimes you tell someone about this really good restaurant you tried or this movie that you really enjoyed. Oh, you need to go to this restaurant. You need to see this movie. Oh, wow. It was so amazing. You're telling them that because it had such an impact on you that you want that individual to be able to have the opportunity to maybe experience a version of the impact you had. So you tell them, you need to do this. Oh. So I think that could be part of it too. That's one way of looking at it anyway. And what about learning? What are synonyms for learning? Acquiring knowledge, assimilate, become proficient, become skilled, come to know, comprehend, discover, grasp, master, receive instruction, study, understand. We're told, how can we come to know the master whom we have not served? That seems to apply in the situation of prayer. At our age, we probably think to ourselves, oh, I know what prayer is. I know what it is. I think I know what it's not. But do you know how? Do you know why? 
do we know what can come about because of prayer? Nowadays, we can sit down and watch videos that teach us how to do something. We can watch a video all about how to build a house and we can, we can say, yes, conceptually, I know how to build a house. I know what goes into it. I know you have to have a foundation and plumbing and electric. And before the foundation goes in, you have to have the footings and you have to have a way for your, your sewage to leave the property or go into a septic tank and all these things. Most of us could probably articulate all the, the basic or even finer details of how a house is built. But have you ever built a house? Have you ever done all of those things? If you've never done it, how can you say you really know what to do? Do you really know how to do it? Do you know how to use the equipment? Do you really know all the steps that are involved in pouring footings? Do you really know everything that you would need? Do you really know the right conditions? I think it applies with prayer. We can only truly learn how to do something, truly learn it, if we do it and we do it often and we ask more questions and we can truly become skilled and proficient in that thing. I think what the stake president may have been nudging us, exhorting us to do is become proficient in prayer. There's so much available that we need to dig into if we really want to help advance the work of the Lord. If we really want to fortify our families, ourselves, our wards against the challenges of the day, against the challenges that may be coming. As I took the time to write down a bunch of scriptures that, that reference even just the word prayer, we see it cited right off the bat in the Book of Mormon. Lehi, we are told, prays with all of his heart on behalf of his people. How often do we pray with all of our hearts, all the energy of our heart for our family? How much time a day do we spend with recreational time, which we need, we need to have that time, but versus how much time do we spend on any given day praying with all of our heart? Or does it more have the energy of a quick text, sending texts to God? Hi, what's up? I'm here doing my thing. Hope you're having a good one. Not a lot of energy behind that right? The outcome of Lehi's prayer was a pillar of fire dwelt on a rock before him. Wow. Now, I've never had a pillar of fire dwell on a rock before me, but I've had some experiences that were certainly profound, but they are fewer and further between. But again, how often do I pray with all my heart? I personally have to say that there's probably been maybe 10 to 20 times in the last 20 years that I really got into a prayer, like really did. That's not very many. And not, not to be judging myself about that, not, not that we should judge ourselves. Oh, I've done a poor job at this. That's not what this is about. It's just examining where we're at. And this is about me trying to better understand what the stake president had in mind when he said that. You need to learn how to pray. So as I took the time to write down kind of the Cliff Notes versions of all these verses that reference prayer, I kind of divided it out into three categories, so to speak. And what I began to see is kind of three different phases of prayer, if you will. There's kind of the lead up 
They're the experiences that are happening that are kind of the backdrop to the prayer. It could be desires, concerns, beliefs, circumstances, a great word to use. There's planning, there's work, observations, maybe there's deprivation, one of a, a descriptor of a circumstance, lengthy darkness, repentance or forgiveness, real intent. There's, there's preparation, there's lead up prior to using the tool of prayer so to speak. So then we have the prayer itself. What are we presenting in the prayer? There's some things I wrote down. Gratitude, guidance, we're seeking it. We have plans, we're making plans, seeking inspiration. We have our intentions. We declare our intentions in the prayer. It requires effort. And then there's the energy behind the prayer, the quality of our heart, the quality of our intentions. Some questions that I also have and jotted down is, you know, we, we have this typical imagery of prayer, what prayer is. But what if singing were a prayer? We're told in the Doctrine and Covenants that the song of the righteous is a prayer unto me, and it shall be answered with a blessing upon their heads. The song is a prayer. If singing were a prayer, what would it sound like? What about creating a song? creating a poem, if that were a prayer, what would that process feel like? What if dancing were a prayer? Could it be? What would it look like? How would it feel to be engaged in that dance? What if working were a prayer? What would that look like? What would that feel like? What would be brought about from that? What if listening in and of itself was a prayer? Really significant questions to ask ourselves. Could it be there's a lot more to prayer than what we ever imagined? The third phase of prayer that seemed to come out of my notes was the outcomes. Now, the outcomes are outside of our control by and large. We have control over the preparation. We have control over the input, the prayer itself. But the outcomes, those are left to the Almighty God, to our Savior. Some outcomes that I wrote down, and for me, as I was jotting down things that fell into the preparation category, the prayer itself category, and then I compared it against the outcomes or potential outcomes, I was able to come up with more outcomes. So you actually get more out of it than what you put in, it feels like, or so it appears according to my notes. But some possible outcomes, miracles, which is broad, I agree, healing, clarity, Direction, revelation, mysteries revealed, conviction, testimony, knowledge, warnings, exhortations, chastisements, love, Holy Ghost, redemption, forgiveness, joy, peace, purpose, challenges and opportunities, temples and temple work. The winds cease, the storms cease, a great calm. Thousands of souls brought to repentance, bearing our testimony, being filled with love, repentance, connection, friendship. Something that I found extremely interesting going through this exercise and deeper dive into prayer is not only do we call upon Heavenly Father in the name of Christ for prayer, He actually calls upon 
us in the name of Christ as well. The Father calls upon us in the name of Christ. It is by the name of Christ that we are even called. And if we answer that call, then that means we identify with the Savior. We identify with who he is and have taken his name upon us. So that essentially becomes our name. He calls upon us by the name of Christ. If we do not answer to that name, then we're not his. We have not chosen to be his. He wants us to be his. We started out as his, but we're kind of in the middle of our rumspringa, if you will. That's kind of what earth life is, really. Perhaps you're familiar with the custom of the Amish. They give the upcoming generation the opportunity to engage in rumspringa. And they go out and get to live in the ways of the world. It's probably a bit of a frightening experience for the parents, although they went through it themselves, to allow them to go out. And then they decide, am I going to actually officially unite myself with the community? Some do and some don't. We're in the middle of our rumspringa being on this earth. It's here that we decide whether or not we truly want to take upon ourselves the name of Christ, because we believed him when we came here. That's why we came. We wanted to be able to make our own choices. Now we get to decide if we will officially make that decision and truly be his. I came up with an acronym slash statement that helps describe prayer for me as part of this exercise. So the sentence is through the power and redemption of the atonement, we yearn for and expect revelation. So the acronym, power, redemption, atonement, yearn, expect, revelation. If that statement and acronym works for you, I'd be delighted. You would probably be able to come up with your own that maybe even works even better. But I wholeheartedly agree with our stake president. We need to learn how to pray. Living Discussions, as brought up by President Nelson. You may recall the movie Fiddler on the Roof. Classic, my favorite musical. Tevye's relationship with God, to me, is one to be patterned after. I was going to use the word envy, but we're not supposed to envy. Oh, how I admire this portrayal of the relationship of a mortal being talking to his maker. He just talks to him all day long. There's this part where he he likes to cite the good book to his friends and associates and family members. As the good book says, and then thus and so. And he's in the middle of a conversation with God, and he says, as the good book says, and then he starts laughing, really getting into it and laughing. He's like, why should I tell you what the good book says? He, he laughs. With God. Have you ever laughed with God? Have you ever told him a joke? President Nelson says that we should be so familiar and comfortable with speaking to our Heavenly Father that we would even tell him a joke. We tell him the things that are going on. We talk to him like he's in the room. He literally said that he's told him a joke before. Before I knew that, I actually told God a knock knock joke once on my way from my work building, walking out to my car. I said, hey, I'm going to tell you a knock-knock joke, and I just, I want you to play along. So here it goes. So I said, knock-knock, and he was like, who's there? I said, 
I bet you. And he said, I bet you who. This is the best punchline ever. Here it comes. I bet you already know what the punchline is. <laughs> yeah, I'm really good at coming up with jokes. And, and we had a laugh. You know, he laughed. At least I assumed he was laughing because, hello, that's an awesome knock-knock joke. Living discussions. And sometimes maybe we're expressing our frustrations to God. He's okay with that. Tevian fiddle around the roof. He's like, why'd you have to do this to my horse? You know, his, his horse gets a bad, bad foot at the beginning of the movie. And he's like, dear Lord, you know, it's enough that you pick on me. Bless me with five daughters, a life of poverty. But what do you have against my horse? And then he says, I'm not really complaining. After all, with your help, I'm starving to death. The Lord can handle our frustrations. He can handle it. He can take this. These are the kinds of things that we can bring before him, right? While some of us allow our challenges to turn us away from God, now Tevya, this fictional character, who I truly believe there are versions of him out there, but he's allowed to be frustrated with, with God about these things. He still talks to him. He doesn't turn away from him. He still talks to him. And he tells him the kinds of things that he's thinking about. Lord, you made many, many poor people. I realize, of course, it's no shame to be poor, but it's no great honor either. The Savior knows this. He descended below all things. He can handle whatever your gripe is, whatever my gripes are. He can handle them. He's already taken care of them. What could we experience, accomplish, witness, participate in if we could simply learn how to pray? What could the next year be like if you learned how to pray? How much more ready for the Savior's second coming would this world be if those who know about prayer were actually willing to learn how to do it? And that's it for now.